Isaiah chapter 53 tonight. If you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God and prayer, Isaiah chapter 53. And uh, we'll read uh, this passage of Scripture and have prayer, and then you can be seated. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 1. I want to say I appreciate the good liberty tonight in God's house. Amen. Enjoyed all the singing, the testimonies, and just appreciate what the Lord's done for us. Isaiah 53 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse number 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep, as a sheep before his shears are dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, in Jesus' name, once again, we do ask you tonight, Lord, that you would help us these next few moments. I pray that, God, you would breathe on this message tonight. Lord, make it real to our souls. I do not want to just preach a sermon or go through the formality of worship tonight, but I pray that you would help us. God, I pray, Holy Ghost, you would empower us tonight and touch us. And Lord, meet the need, the spiritual needs that are represented in this building tonight. And dear God, for what you do, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. For we do love you and we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to this chapter tonight. And though there's many things in Isaiah 53 uh, that I think many sermons could be preached uh, throughout this text, I simply want to just use it tonight as a springboard for the thought uh, that the Lord has laid upon our heart. When we come to this place tonight, no doubt Isaiah chapter 53 is dealing with Calvary. Uh, Isaiah gives us a very vivid and a very detailed account of our Lord and his crucifixion and the, the events that, that leads up to the coming of the cross. When we think about Isaiah chapter 53, it's amazing in the fact because it is prophecy within it himself. When you think about this chapter and when Isaiah wrote it, it was nearly 800 
hundred years before the cross, uh, before the event of Calvary took place. In fact, it was nearly 800 years before Roman crucifixion was even instituted. So when you think about Isaiah 53 as a whole, you think about Calvary and you think about prophecy. And I want to preach on that subject tonight on Calvary, the place of prophecy. Calvary, the place of prophecy. You see, oftentimes when we think of Calvary, we're looking back and we see it as a historical event. And certainly that is right. We see it from this side of the cross. And from this side of the cross, uh, Calvary is history. And I want to say it's the greatest event in history. Amen. But if you go to the Old Testament and you look at it through the eyes of Moses and through the eyes of the prophets, uh, it is history, but it's history in advance. Uh, And friend, that is a good definition of prophecy. It is history in advance. Uh, They see Calvary and they saw Calvary, should I say, as prophecy. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, Calvary was prophesied. And then in the New Testament, Calvary was fulfilled. I sat down this afternoon. I started over to the house uh, after church this morning and uh, on my way to the house, it just seemed like the Lord uh, spoke to my heart. I did not know what I would preach on tonight, but on my way to the house, uh, the thought just came to me, Calvary, the place of prophecy. I sat down. I thought there's no way I'll get this sermon together by tonight. But I'll tell you, the Lord just let it fall together and I hope it falls in place tonight. Uh, You just never know. But there's multiple examples such as uh, when you think about Calvary, how that it was prophesied uh, through the Old Testament and then of course fulfilled in the Gospels. Now, there's a lot of accounts and I wanna just mention some of them tonight and then go right into this text. Uh, You say, preacher, what do you mean when you talk about Calvary, the place of prophecy? I think about the examples in the word of God that we see, such is the fact of one being that his friend would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. You know, that was prophesied in the, in the Old Testament and then it was fulfilled in the New Testament in the book of Psalms chapter 41 and verse number nine. He says, yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. In the book of Zechariah chapter 11 and verse number 12, he said, and I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it, in, cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was uh, uh, priced out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. That's prophesied twice in the Old Testament. But in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 14, the Bible says, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. I'm simply saying tonight, Calvary, the place of prophecy is seen in the fact that his friend would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Calvary, the place of prophecy is seen in the fact that he would be a man of sorrows. In Isaiah chapter 53 and in verse number three, we read it here. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 37, the Bible said he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith 
he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me and pray. Well, when you think about that, Calvary, the place of prophecy, we see that he would be not only that he would be a man of sorrow, but we see that he would be forsaken by his disciples. In the book of Zechariah chapter 13 and verse number seven, the Bible says, awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. Then in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, then saith Jesus, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, going back to Zechariah, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But all this was done in verse 56, that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. I'm saying Calvary is the place of prophecy over and over again. In Matthew chapter 27, that the Bible talks about, uh, my friend, that Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and in the New, it talks about how that he would be scourged uh, and he would be uh, spat upon. In Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number six, it says this, when he said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Then in Matthew chapter 27, the Bible said, then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus unto the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, hell, king of the Jews. And notice this, they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him upon the head. Calvary, the place of prophecy, whether it be in Isaiah, whether it be in the Psalms, whether it be in Zechariah, what was said in the Old Testament, what was prophesied in the Old Testament, it was fulfilled at Calvary in the New Testament in the fact that he would be crucified between two themes. Isaiah 53 and verse number 12 says that he was numbered with the transgressors. Amen. Matthew 27 and verse 38 fulfills Isaiah 53 and verse 12. The Bible said, then were there two thieves crucified with him, the one on the right and the other on the left. Do you see this? That every event and everything that was prophesied or everything that took place at Calvary, it was prophesied in the Old Testament. It was prophesied that he would be given vinegar to drink. In Psalm 69 and verse 21, the Bible says, they gave me also gall for for my meat and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. In John chapter 19 and verse 29, now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said it is finished and he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Once again, another Old Testament prophecy about Calvary has been fulfilled. It was prophesied that he would suffer the piercing of hands and of feet. In Psalms 22 in verse number 16, for dogs have compassed me. They, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. In John chapter 20 and verse 25, then the other disciple therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But talking about Thomas, he said unto them, 
them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. Once again, what was said in the book of Psalms, it was my friend fulfilled in the book of John. Zechariah spoke about the same thing in chapter 12 and verse number 10. He said, and I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the spirit of grace and of supplication and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. John 19 and verse 13. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. I'm telling you, when you think about the prophecies of Calvary and then you read the event of Calvary, it ought to make a believer out of every single one of us tonight. Calvary, the place of prophecy. It was prophesied that he would be surrounded and ridiculed by his enemies. In the book of Psalms chapter 22 and verse seven, and they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 29, and they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads, saying, ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking said among the uh, among themselves with the scribes. He saved others himself. He cannot save. It was prophesied that he would thirst in Psalms 22 and verse number 15. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. In John 19 and verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. Amen. It was prophesied aside in the book of Psalms uh, that he would commend his spirit to God. In Psalms 31 and verse number five, into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. In Luke 23 and verse 46, it was fulfilled. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Uh, it was prophesied that his bones would not be broken. As far back as the book of Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 46 at the Passover talking about the Passover lamb it is said in one house shall it be eaten and thou shalt carry forth all to the flesh abroad out of the house neither shall ye break a bone thereof in Numbers 9 and verse 12 it's prophesied again they shall leave none of it unto the morning nor break any bone of it according to all the ordinances of the Passover they shall keep it it's prophesied Prophesied again in Psalms 34 and verse number 20. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Then in John chapter 19 and verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and 
forthwith came there out blood and water and when they saw it it bare record and his record is true uh, and he knoweth that he saith is true that you might believe uh, for these things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled a bone of him shall not be broken amen Calvary is the place of prophecy amen it was prophesied that they would stare at him in death uh, Zechariah chapter 12 and verse number 10 said that they shall look upon me and in John 19 and verse 37 and again another scripture saith they shall look on him whom they have pierced it was prophesied that he would be buried with the rich in Isaiah 53 and verse number 9 and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death and then in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 57 when the evening was come there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the, or commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and he laid it in his own new tomb which he had hewn out of rock and he rolled a great stone up to the door of the sepulcher and departed. It was prophesied that he would raise from the dead in Psalm 16 and verse number 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither shalt thou, will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. And then in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number five, and the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Amen. I'm talking about uh, Calvary is the place of prophecy. Everything that was said in the Old Testament, it took place in the New Testament at Calvary. And though we see it as a historical event, it is one of the greatest uh, prophetical events uh, in all the annals of time uh, and in the pages of the Word of God tonight. Amen. Calvary proves in the New Testament the authenticity of the Old Testament. What the Old Testament prophets said, every event came to pass. Now that's more Bible reading than some Baptists will do in six months. And I sat down this afternoon and I cross-referenced all these verses and I said, Lord, you're gonna have to help me. Lord knows I can't memorize them and quote them. And I just thank God for technology. I stuck them in that iPad. I said, I'm gonna read every single one of them because they correlate what they said here. Thank God it happened there, amen. Can I tell you something? God's always 100% accurate. He's always 100% on time. He's always 100% right. You know why? Because he's one. 100% God and when Jesus went to Calvary he wasn't a broken down mess and a broken down man thank God he was Lord he was master he was king he did everything he was supposed to do the way the Old Testament blueprinted it out I'm telling you Calvary was not an accident it was not an afterthought in the mind of God before the foundations of this world they knew every event that would take place and they told every event in how it would take place. And Isaiah wrote it in great detail. Why? To prove to us that God was in full control that day on Calvary, that everything happened according to his will and according to his plan. And now when we come to this text tonight, I'll just touch the text and be done. 
I want you to see here that Isaiah in his prophecy of Calvary lays out for us four or five quick things. Number one, he lays out the overview in verse one and two. He talks about the facts concerning the message in verse one. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's easier for us to believe in Calvary because we can look back and we can see it. But in prophetic view, it was a great challenge for them for they was not expecting the Messiah to come and to be beaten and to be bruised and to be tortured. They was expecting him to set up a kingdom. They was expecting him to establish a throne and thank God one day he will. But Isaiah said the report that I'm about to give, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. And in this overview, he talks about the facts concerning the message in verse one. Then he talks about the facts concerning the Messiah in verse number two, he said for he talks about here in this verse, uh, he talks about his background and his beauty as he said for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. You remember from the Old Testament to the New there was 400 years of silence. Israel had hit a dry time like never before. And Isaiah said in verse number two, like a tender plant, a tender shoot, out of a dry ground, our Savior came forth in Bethlehem's manger. And he said, there is no beauty that we would desire him. The overview concerning the facts of our Messiah is that Jesus, there would not be anything physically about him that would attract men to him. You listen, I wanna to say tonight, Hollywood has given the wrong persona of who Jesus is, amen? He's not some white, pale, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, long-haired Jesus. Somebody say amen with an angelic glow on his face. Now, I know the hippies like that and they like for you to think that and you may have a picture of a long-haired Jesus on your wall somewhere. So I hate to break the news to you and burst your bubble, but just go ahead and take it down and put it in a yard sale somewhere. So sell it for a nickel, amen. It's not doing you a bit of good because you're gonna be shocked when you you get to the other side uh, and you find out that Jesus uh, didn't have long hair because it's a shame for a man to have long hair, amen? Uh, and he wasn't white. I hate to break that news to you as well. And he didn't have blue eyes uh, and he didn't have blonde hair. His eyes will be like a flame of fire and upon his head's gonna be many crowns, amen? That's not the picture of the Jesus in the Bible. That's the world's view of him tonight, amen? I just thought I'd throw that long hair in here because it's always good to preach against. Uh, if you're a man, get a haircut. Somebody say amen. I didn't know how I got that out of Calvary, but it's in there. I'm just telling you tonight, friend, uh, that's the overview in the early verses here. And then there is the origin in verse number four and verse number 10. He talks about in verse number four, his foes and his father, as he said, surely he hath borne us. He said, but now, wait a minute, preacher, I'm not his foe. Before we met Jesus, we were enemies of the cross. And then his father, the origin of our Savior's death, what caused him to have to suffer was my sins. He carried our sorrows. Look at verse four. He bore our griefs. Yet we did esteem him stricken. And notice this next phrase, smitten of God 
and afflicted. Verse number 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. I'm gonna tell you, it wasn't the soldiers that, that stricken him. It wasn't the soldiers that nailed him and put him on the cross. Now I know in essence, uh, that's what they did. But who put Jesus on the cross is found in verse number four and verse number 10. It was our father. It was God's plan and it was prophesied before it ever came to pass. Uh, it's prophesied right here that it pleased the Lord to bruise him, that it was God that smote him at Calvary. I'm gonna tell you, they were nothing more than puppets on strings. They, was, they didn't have no idea of the big picture of what was taking place. They were just tools in the hand of an almighty God. God was performing his work. God was keeping his covenant. God was making his sacrifice known. And the Father and the Son was in complete unity as the Son gave his life. And the Father gave his Son. Hallelujah. The origin. And then the ordeal. It's amazing in Isaiah 53 how that in verse number three, verse five, six, eight, and nine, Isaiah prophesies vivid detail of what would happen to Jesus. He said in verse number three that he would be, be, that he would be belittled in life. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Nobody likes to be despised. Nobody likes to be rejected. In verse number five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When you go to verse number eight, again, he tells us he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he hath done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Now these verses that we've read, verse three, verse five, verse six, verse eight, verse number nine, it tells us about the ordeal that Jesus would have to go through uh, when he went to Calvary. And it tells us that he would be belittled in his life and he would be brutalized in his death. He would be taken from uh, prison, to, from imprisonment, from prison to prison. He would be in prison and then he would have various trials. Uh, he would be wounded. Uh, he would be beaten. Uh, uh, listen, he would he would uh, die as a criminal and he would be buried in a rich man's grave. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Isn't that right? Uh, 800 years uh, before it took place, uh, it was prophesied. Uh, what a great prophecy tonight. When we think about the ordeal that Jesus went through, it did not just say he would be crucified, but he gives vivid account of what would take place. I'll tell you that ought to make a believer out of every person tonight. When you read Isaiah 53 and you read the gospel accounts, the four accounts are given of our Lord's crucifixion. It ought to tell us that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Hallelujah. If I was witnessing to a Jew, I would go to Isaiah 53 first. They believe it tonight. And then I would go to John chapter 19 and Matthew chapter 27. The ordeal. 
Verse seven gives the obedience of our Savior. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughters of sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. In this verse, we see the suffering, the silence, the slaughter. We see here the submission. We see the steadfastness of our Savior. All that's been prophesied in verse seven, we can read about in the accounts of the cross. In the mock trial, the Bible says he held his peace. When he went before Herod, he opened not his mouth. Again and again, Jesus went, my friend, before them as a lamb to the slaughter. He was afflicted, but he opened not his mouth. The obedience and then the outcome. When you come to this text and you get to verse number 10 throughout the rest of this chapter, you have to ask yourself this one question. What will be the outcome of this prophecy? I mean, when you're standing where Isaiah is standing and you've not read the Gospels and you've not seen the New Testament and you're writing and you're pinning down Isaiah 53, no doubt that what crossed Isaiah's mind is what is the outcome of this great prophecy? Well, verse number 10 tells us that the outcome of this prophecy would be that his death will assure spiritual life to countless multitudes. As the Bible says in verse number 10, that when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days and notice this, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I want to tell you the outcome of this prophecy is going to be that when Jesus died at Calvary and now we're standing on the other side, but let's go back to where Isaiah is. When Jesus dies at Calvary from Isaiah's view, the outcome is going to be is that there's going to be countless multitudes. My friend, that through his death, they're going to be assured of spiritual victory and spiritual life. And do you know who the multitudes are? It's us that are sitting here tonight. We're a fulfillment in verse number 10 in Isaiah's prophecy. You and I are a product of Calvary. We are one, my friend, that the Lord took pleasure and it's the hand of the Lord has prospered because of Calvary. You may not feel like you're much and you may not think you're much, but if you've been saved by the grace of God, you're in verse number 10 you're part of the fruit of our Savior's labor as he died and fulfilled the Father's will. Isn't that a blessing tonight? Amen. What would be the outcome of this prophecy is that he would be raised again and he would enjoy the fruits of his sacrifice. Verse number 11. He shall see the travail of his soul. That's Calvary. And he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant. Notice this. Justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. What's the outcome of this prophecy? Jesus will be raised again, which we know he was. And he'll enjoy the fruits of his labor and of his sacrifice. And finally, what is the outcome of this great prophecy? Calvary, the place of prophecy, is that he is honored for his greatness. Verse number 12 says, Therefore, Will I divide him a portion with the great? And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And he made intercession for the transgressors. I want to say thank God for the cross tonight. Jesus Christ is honored because of his death. Hebrews 2 and verse 9, the Bible says, but we see Jesus 
who was made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor. That's verse 12 again. That he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Philippians chapter two and verse number three says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. That's a good principle. Look not every man on his own things and every man also on the things of others. And then verse five says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, verse nine, God also hath highly exalted him. That's verse 12 right here. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'll tell you, the Lord saw he was satisfied with the sacrifice. And the Bible said he'll divide his portion with the great and he'll divide his spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul unto death. I'm gonna tell you when Jesus died and he said it is finished. And my friend, he dismissed his spirit. The Father was as well pleased that day as he was when he was baptized, as he was when he was on the Mount of Trans Transfiguration. He fulfilled the Father's will. He did everything to the very jot, to the very tittle. I tell you, that makes me want to shout. That makes me want to praise God. Calvary, the place of prophecy. Thank God it's a reality. Though it's historical, it is prophetic within its scripture tonight. And it really doesn't matter which side of the cross you came up on. By faith, they took Calvary. Those that lived in Isaiah's day, they had to look to the cross. And by faith, they had to believe the message of Isaiah 53. And tonight, we look back to the cross. But it's still the same. By faith, we have to believe the message. You see, if I'd have been in, if I'd have been in Isaiah's day, I could have just said this, well... That's in the future, Brother Mike. I can't see it, and I haven't been there. But in our day, you know what I have to say? Well, that's in the history. I didn't see it, and I hadn't been there. But I have been there by faith. You see, the just shall live by faith. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Tonight, there's no way to be saved outside of faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Those that look to Calvary and believe by faith or those that look back to Calvary and believe by faith, either way, and it doesn't matter what direction you looked in, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved.